Hey. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Do you hear me okay? Yes, I do. Perfect, perfect. Awesome. We're going to get started. The Closet Chronicles with Ivanya Easley, certified personal stylist and CEO and founder of Love E Fashion and Style by Love E. This podcast is all about behind the scenes, the grind behind the glam of the fashion industry and retail tech and commerce. And so we have a special guest, Anastasia Simon, and we are going to hear her story and she is going to share her days from blogging into fashion tech and venture capital and all the rest. So welcome. Thank you for having, um, thank you for coming on and just tell us a little bit about yourself and your story. Awesome. So first of all, thank you for having me today. I mean, you could have had anybody and you just you chose to reach out to me during Virgo season. Exactly. <laughs> I was about to say too, it's Virgo season. Gotta, got Virgo's got to represent. <laughs> all right, right. So yeah, so, um, you know, so I'm Anastasia and my background, I like, I, I like to tell people, um, jack of all trades, master of some. So, <laughs> you know, I went to LSU, um, studied merchandising and I graduated in 2007 when the recession was just kicking off. And so my initial idea, I wanted to live like Devil Wears Prada so mm-hmm. like out in New York, working at Vogue. Um, but that didn't I think happen. we all had that dream watching the movie. Right, right. It, that was that era. That was like, I yeah. want to be Carrie Bradshaw. Or I want yeah. That was that era, you know? And for me, it just didn't, it didn't pop off because one, there was this huge hiring slump at publishing. Yeah. Um, that was at the beginning of the digital revolution and publishing was taking a huge hit. Yeah. And then two... I don't think any of us knew how much it costs to live in New York. Girl. <laughs> like, like I tell people all the time. I remember I used to do um, like career day at schools and I would tell them like, oh, Carrie Bradshaw had to have been an escort on the side. <laughs> to sex workers, but like, how did she afford her apartment and her shoes and her lifestyle? She took cabs everywhere. She never took the subway. Like that is not realistic as, yes. a, as a journalist particularly writing for like the kind of paper she wrote for. She didn't have money until she got that Vogue. So like, let's keep it 100. Yeah. And when she wrote the books. But right. before that, yeah, it wasn't realistic on how she was living. No. But so for me, that was like my dream. And it just, you know, like- All I, said, I can was, think is her apartment must have been rent control. But go ahead. controlled at one point. But, and I can't remember the first season, they used to cancel her credit cards all the time. But yeah. girl, are you paying the bills off? You had to pay it off at some point, or you were just like in bankruptcy court. I don't. I had so yeah, so many questions as an adult woman in her thirties now. Yeah, back at a woman who was supposed to be in her mid to late thirties then, and I'm like, girl, you were living reckless. But, yeah, you know. But I digress. So yeah. yeah. So for me, um, graduated school, did not go into that route. Um, ended up working in retail mm-hmm. and then blogging, and it was at the advice of. Um, my internship coordinator. So the last internship I had before I graduated was at a magazine and the editor who was the fashion editor at that publication, she was like, girl, just start a blog. Like publishing is not hiring. Yeah. We'll start a blog. And so that's what I did, you know, and it was focused mostly on streetwear because that was like my vibe at the time. It was the early 2000s, you know, culture was starting to pop off. The 9-9-2000. Yes, for the 9-9 in the 2000s. And so so what I ended up doing um, was blogging while I was working in retail, working in visuals. Uh, I worked in visual merchandising for a while, worked in merchandising at Bloomingdale's, 
worked in wholesale apparel sales really like on that retail side though because wholesale yeah. apparel sales is the retail side of the business yeah. but at the same time i would like change clothes at the end of the day and then go cover fashion shows in Atlanta. Like I used to go to Fashion Care. So Jeffrey Fashion Care is the big Yes, show. I remember that. Yeah, I used to go every year. Uh, it's the same. It usually works. It was like $500 a ticket. And you know, all the Jeffrey's closed in the pandemic. Yeah, they, yeah, they closed. They took a hit and they closed. You know, they were co-owned by like Nordstrom. Nordstrom's, yeah. They were under Nordstrom. And I don't think, knowing what I know from the people who worked in the store here, the one in New York did really strong. At, from what I heard, the one here didn't do as well. Um, for Luckily, a, he had already sold at Nordstrom, so at least he had got yeah. his check and got moving. But He was working at Nordstrom's for quite a while, and so from what yeah. I understand, it was always nestled under that brand. You just didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and I don't, it's a whole, it's a whole convoluted, like, tea yeah. thing, but yeah. But so yeah, I used to go to the fashion shows all the time. It was doing that, and then I was just, like, getting tired of that like double, it was the Hannah Montana life. Yeah. Like you working all day and then you go, you run into all the fashion events and you're covering the events for different publications. And, you know, and it was just so bizarre. And so I was like, okay, I need a break from Atlanta. And yeah. I sat down and had, um, I think it was like brunch with a friend who worked in the tech space. And I was like, look, I want to like leave Atlanta. I want to move to California. There are a lot of sustainable brands out there. Yeah. That's more of my vibe. And she was like, so I have this friend in tech and he is working on this amazing um, like solution for, you know, ethical production. Yeah. And I don't know if you're open to it, but you should talk to him. Whether you stay here or not, go talk to him. Yeah. Um, and that was in 2015 and that kind of began my tech journey. So I was working at software automation. I was the only person there who had a background in apparel and our focus was sewing for the apparel industry. Mm -hmm. and so I was really hired because I understood the value chain. I could sit down with all the different brands that were coming in. I knew the, the lingo, you know, yeah. about construction. I understood construction inside and out. I understood the, you know, the way the machine worked relative to the way garments were produced on the line. Yeah and how those things, where there were points they could intersect, where there were points they, should, they probably couldn't. And so my role was part sales, part marketing, um, and really helping to translate that engineering language to the fashion people. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. And that was incredibly fun. That was, um, I, I got to go to some of the big trade shows. So I was, I'd done it before. So I got to go to like magic again, yeah. which I had missed because I loved going there. And I got to go to some of the big textile shows, which a lot of people on the apparel sales side don't go to unless you're yeah. working, you know, with a national rep or something, you're doing that consulting. But so I got to go to a lot of the different fabric shows and the sewing machine shows. We went to Germany, huge show. And that was so fun. Yeah. Um, but it, it was a lot of work. And I can tell you that the thing that really helped me excel in that role was not so much my, what I learned about the fashion industry when I knew about the industry, but my ability to be adaptable. Yeah. You know, because that's the thing with tech. Everything is you're constantly reinventing, you're tweaking, you're pivoting. And if you are not adaptable, you will not survive. And I think the fashion industry is the exact same way. You know, you're constantly retooling and reinventing when it comes to different looks. Like same, every season, it's the same pieces. 
We just change the fabrics up. You change the hemline. You know, you change a little bit something here, a little bit something there to give it a totally different look. And it's a very similar approach when we talk about product development in the yeah. space, you know? And so, yeah. And so went into that, then went deeper into tech, went into music tech, doing marketing communications at Spinrilla, um, and then eventually landed at a boutique VC firm here in Atlanta for the past three years. And now I'm doing program management where I'm helping founders like yourself yes. um, get all of the tools and the tips and the tricks they need so they can effectively raise money. Because um, what I've seen, whether it's in fashion or it's in the tech space, is that people of color, particularly Black women, yeah. get the access that we deserve. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we are hardworking. We are usually the most qualified in the room and yeah. we'll have to continue to prove ourselves. And so my thing was, I want to be the change that I needed when I was coming up through the industry. And girl. so now, yeah, girl, cause girl, it's That's a whole, whole word, it, but it's a whole thing. It's like, you know, when you're, when I was in fashion, I can remember being talked down to yeah. by like national sales reps and the stuff they were saying was inherently racist. Yeah, And the stuff they were saying was just like blatantly biased. I'll never forget interviewing for a major jewelry manufacturer who every rapper shouts out. And her sister sat across from the table from me and was like, this is a Jewish office. Girl, what does that have to do? I don't care. <laughs> Basically. The money, the cat, the check is a check cash. Yeah. You know, are you comfortable with this being a Jewish office? Like, know your place. Right. And I'm looking around and I'm like, we're in this very, the, a room that's probably the size of like my bedroom. Yeah. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, okay, everybody here is white. Um, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And I just like, after that, that was just the end of the interview for me. And I remember leaving and like sitting in my cab, like as I'm driving back to my hotel and I'm just like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. It was maybe 20 two at the time and yeah. you would hear it over and over and you hear and I know girls who are still in the industry women who are still in the industry and you hear it over and over that they get told stuff and you're like ma'am this is entirely out of bounds yeah you out know? of pocket it's just it's ridiculous and so that's why there's so many women who I admire like yourself who are forging your own path yeah. because I see that's that's really where we have to go we have to kind of do what services us yeah. You know, um, and start building our own table. And so that's my whole yeah. mentality right now, going from fashion to tech to VC. It's just how do we work together to build our own tables? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, your story is amazing. You like you said, you've taken uh, you have a, the thing I think I love the most about your story is just the versatility, because. When you do a lot of different things, you have the knowledge and you're more valuable than if I just know how to do one thing or whatnot. And so I think being able to be in one, two different inter industries and then being able to intersect them now that technology is really coming into play into a lot of people's mm -hmm. businesses, not just fashion. How do you feel like fashion, retail and tech are intersecting, especially after the year that we have had? Because if Last year didn't teach us about pivot and adaptability. I don't know what would. Well, that's the first thing. So if you did not learn last year how to navigate things like different video conferencing software, 
you have, you're a retailer and you don't have a strong e-commerce presence, I don't know what's going to convince you. Yeah. You know, our D to C direct to consumer right. because right, right. The wholesale orders is dropping like flies. Okay. And that, but that's been a trend. Honestly, the, the down kind of turn with wholesale, that's been a trend that's been going on for a while. That's been years in the making. And, uh, but the bottom fell out last year because right. I know a few people that was depending on wholesale only basically and just now started to build yeah. their own community their own like pipeline because i mean shoot even i just read like nike and one other shoe company that was like you know what we trying to bring all this back inside like why wholesale yes. let us just sell directly to the consumers ourselves and keep this money well it's it's not just keep the money so like nike pulled all of their product off of amazon a while ago um and i have a love-hate relationship with amazon i would tell any new designer or anyone who has a product that is like, oh, I, I was strongly cautioned them against it because mm -hmm. the because of the reason Nike pulled their product. Um, when you put your product on Amazon, you don't control that brand environment. Yeah. They do. You don't control how people experience your product. Yeah. They do. They also have a habit of if I see a certain product is running up numbers, what I'm going to do is introduce a similar product, put it at the bottom at, hey, this is something you might like and refer it to your customers. Yeah. And undercut you on the price. And it's so hard if you are a, you know, a young designer and you're trying to get exposure and somebody's doing that to you, someone who you think is a trusted channel partner, that's what they're yeah. doing. You know, so you have that kind of element, but then you also have department stores as a whole have just, when we talk about wholesale in the apparel industry, department stores as a whole, they've been kind of falling off because they need to reinvent that model. Yeah. Like that model is just, it's, it's, it's dated. It's old. Yeah. You know, even when we talk about malls, right. Like the mall model is dated. I yeah. don't think malls have died. I mean, if you go to Pont City Market in Atlanta, that is a mall. I don't know yeah. if anybody else knows it. That's a mall. It doesn't yeah. look like a mall. It's a mall. Um, and there's like Hudson Yards in New York. It's yeah. Um, it just is, it looks different. It feels different. It has more of that urban kind of feel to it. Yeah. So, and with the outside concept and the right. food and every, it makes you feel like you're not at a mall. So you can <laughs> shop if you want, but if you don't want to shop, you're still good. Right, right. It's just not the traditional concept that we're used to that reigned in like the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Yeah. You know, and I think it's just because consumer, consumer tastes have changed, you know. But when we talk about technology, I think the more interesting tech, the tech I've always found that's the most interesting for the apparel industry comes back to um, stuff that's innovating the supply chain, stuff that's making the supply chain more efficient, um, more sustainable, more ethical. That stuff is the most important thing. Like, yes, there are some really cool solutions that can change the way, you know, you interact with the product within the store that can yeah. actually change the way that you interact with the product online. Like fit tech is a whole thing that I love, but yeah. I love fit tech from the perspective of helping to reduce waste. Exactly. You know, insurance industry is billions of dollars and right. It's, clothes is already the number two. So yes. It's not just, it's the money that the companies lose, but it's also... I don't know if people know this, a lot of brands, when you product, it does not get back to the shelf. Like it does, it's not like it goes back and then it's put back in circulation. That doesn't always happen. And it has to do with when in the season you returned it. Yeah. 
size it is. All, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. But a large portion of those products, instead of being put back into circulation to be shipped to somebody else, they end up in a landfill. Yeah. You know, and when we talk about what's going on with COVID and what's going on with our environment, you got to be you got to be smarter than that. Yeah. You got to be quicker than that. So you want to make sure that your customers can get optimal fit the first time. Yeah. So you don't have to eat that cost. So that's not a product that you have to burn like some of the luxury brands got caught doing a few years yeah. ago. Yeah. They sell at a lower price. They was like, we'd rather burn it, which was crazy. But it's so crazy to me. I remember being in college in like 2005 and I had a friend who we were doing, you know, a project for work. And she was like, girl, Louis Vuitton burns all their stuff. I was like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah, my cousin works for them. They burn it. And I thought she was crazy when she, I was like, that is made up. And then when it came <laughs> out, like a few years ago, I was like, man. And we used to call her the Louis Vuitton Dawn because everything she had was like Louis Belt, Louis Wallet, yeah. Louis Backpack. So I guess she knew, but it was just so funny. I'm like, that girl told me that over 10 years ago. And she said it's so nonchalant. Like, nah, they burn it. They don't, they don't discount it. Yeah. Do it. They, they they get rid of it, and then when you saw it, you were like, "Man, y'all need to do. You need to have a better way to understand how much product you're manufacturing. Yeah, and what to do when somebody returns defective merchandise or it doesn't fit or they don't like it. Like you need better systems. And so that's the yeah. kind of technology that always is on my radar. You know, that's what's up. Mm-hmm. Now that you are in tech and you're in, um, you know, working for Founder Gym. Yeah. Do you feel like you still get to intersect with fashion or style or anything as far as the retail and e-commerce, which yeah. was your first love? So it's so interesting. My mom asked me that question um, probably a month ago. She was like, I thought you were into fashion. Like, what happened to that? <laughs> and it was like, girl, I got to pay these bills. But also... Um, yeah, so like oddly enough, most of my friends and you, because you know me personally, most of my friends are still in the industry. Yeah. Um, a lot of the clients when I do consulting are still lifestyle brands. Okay. Um, but for me, trying to figure out that way back into that, I don't. We'll see. We'll see. I, yeah. I'm very, um, I'm very wary of saying, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that because, yeah. like, for me, what happens is always being open to opportunity. Yes. And so would I love to go work at like a fashion tech company? Of course. Yeah. And really bring the decade of fashion plus the decade of um, tech. Yeah. Bring those two together because I think that puts me in a unique skill set when it comes to that. But I also think that like I'm very cautious. Yeah. I want to make sure like my goal, like I said, right now is really focused on helping founders yeah. get what they need to get to grow and to build sustainable businesses. Um, if that is working within a team, you know, full time, yeah. or if that's like doing kind of the work I'm doing at Founder Gym or the work I do as a consultant, that remains to be seen. But yeah. is yeah. there any companies off the top of your head that you were like, oh, that would be a dream collab of you being able to work with them as a consultant or as part of their team? So the company, and this is like apparel, but it's not fashion. The company yeah. that is, all, is always on my radar is Patagonia. And I tell people like, I, I don't own any of that. I don't wear that. I don't go outdoors. I don't go hiking. That is not my ministry. But from a brand marketing perspective, uh-huh. 
they are bomb. Like Patagonia is amazing. They walk the talk. Every yeah. I look at their initiatives that they do. It is all super aligned with their mission. Like, I wow. Would, I'm yeah. look, I mean, I know who they are, but like look into them deeper because I would have never yeah. thought that's what you would have said. Yeah, no, because like so like when I look at like a Gucci or like when we talk about like the luxury brands and yeah. like, on fashion on that side designer, I just feel like so many of them put on a face and they are not actually doing the work. You yeah. know what I mean? They're not actually like, like Gucci, every time I turn around, is something controversial. Don't change. Well, you know, they made their little board, though. Um, I can't remember what they call it, but basically, you yeah. know, the blackboard. <laughs> so that's all marketing. That's like Prada just came out and they're doing, I think it's Prada came out and they're doing a, um, a diversity training program in Chicago. Y'all, there are talented black designers, there are talented black technical designers, there are talented black marketers, there are talented black people in finance and accounting. There's yeah. Like the amount talented of black people everywhere in every right. area. The amount of talented black black people that exist are Asian Americans or Latino or indigenous people that exist and do are in your pipeline right now that are actively in their inboxes that they refuse to bring in. Yeah. Like that's the problem, y'all. Y'all have hiring issues. It's not a pipeline problem. It's a hiring manager problem. It's a corporate culture problem. When you get into right. that corporate culture, it is toxic, you know. Yeah. And so for me, I couldn't go work at a brand and be like, "Hey, I'm gonna go work for Gucci," and they make blackface balaclavas. Like, why? Wow, I'm good. I, I see you. I see what you're doing for Dapper Dan because someone called you out on it. Yeah. Because you all took something that he did and put it down the runway. So they called you out on it. And that was your response was to partner with him. I see that. Yeah. You know? But behind the scenes, I know who makes the money off of the people who own off of Gucci and off of the club, yeah. the rappers bring and hip hop brings to all of these brands. And so yeah. for me, like y'all are cute and all, um, but I would more be interested in helping like a Sloan Monet with her, um, her heel line. That's, a nude for every skin tone. Yeah. More interested in helping someone like that better integrate technology so that they can level up their brand or like a tell for Clemens, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Like I'm more about helping those smaller brands. Yeah. Really black owned or women owned or, you know, POC owned brands to really yeah. move in the direction they need to go because we have got to stop trying to get at everybody's table and just build a table that is our own table. Girl. Ellen. Fighting you. I'm not fighting you for a spot at someone else's table when me, you can sit down together and figure yeah. out a way to build something bigger and more inclusive so we can all break bread. Like that's it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I definitely agree. And mm -hmm. as we started to wind down, what would you, you know, one, give the advice to your younger self as well as what would you share with people that are like, you know, I love fashion, because we know we always hear that. Yeah. I love fashion. And like, what would you suggest? them if they wanted to make an entry point somewhere or if they're even like I'm trying to get started but I don't know exactly what I want to do I just know I want to be in fashion or retail tech or fashion tech mm -hmm. etc so the first thing is for our passion for fashion like I love that I got a passion for fashion um yeah so the first thing I would say is grit you need to work on resilience um yeah. because this industry it does not matter what entry point you look at, whether you want to be a stylist, you want to be a designer, you want to work as a merchandiser, um, you need grit to get in because 
it's an industry that everybody wants in on. It, yeah. it looks glamorous, um, but the day-to-day work it is- were, looks glamorous. Looks. It looks glamorous, you know? I did the stylist hustle for a little bit, and there's a reason I did it only for a short time because it's incredibly hard work, and I tip my hat to anyone, whether it's wardrobe and personal or film. And- Why, thank you. I appreciate it because it's a lot of work, and I'm like, if I had a camera crew to film like all the real work, y'all just be getting these little snippets, but you would see. And this is not a game. It's a manual labor too, not just the work of different yeah. people and their little personalities and their bodies, but the work of garment it's, bags and their heavy it's, shit. It's buying and carrying garment bags and returning and, and the accounting and, of it all. Finances <laughs> of it all. Like it's not, it's not easy. Um, and that again, that's if you work in merchandising. There's, it's a lot of work. Um, and I think when I say merchandising, people think visuals like I've done visuals I've also done the other side like buying and allocating that's actually math that is a business that's business yes there is so much math Mm -hmm. in fashion like yeah it's a that's more of a business degree kind of degree than people think but yeah I would tell anybody like make sure you are you know your craft too because I think that's another thing that we are losing right now in the Instagram YouTube era that I see so many people who are teaching and I can tell teaching that they have not learned themselves. So be very careful who you get your information from. I'm very wide open about the work that I have done, the work I have not done. You can can find me on LinkedIn. You know, I'm, I'm very open about that because there's a difference between I have worked at brands and with brands and helped build companies. And I went to school worked at a company for six months and then now I'm a consultant. Yeah. That's, and so I would, I, w- I want to make sure everybody, as you're getting your information, it's a double edged sword. Cause there's so much information out there. That's girl. Crazy. It really is. But on the flip side, know who you're getting your information from. And is it real or is it fake? Yeah. Um, and become a master of your craft. Like, yeah. Really take the time to learn. If you want to be a designer, learn how to sew, like to yeah. actually sew, learn how to drape, understand all the technical aspects of design, but then also yeah. take time and learn the business side of it. Because most people I know who went to design school know nothing about the business of running a design. That part. And the thing is, if you can't stay in business, it's just a hobby or not something that you're going to be able to sustain if you right. don't handle the business. I tell people that all the time. And I think coming from the background of accounting and corporate before I got into creative definitely helped me. When I first got in business, I was like, oh, I didn't go to school and major and minor in fashion. But in actuality, it was better that I didn't because I wouldn't even still be in business if I didn't know how to handle my business. The creative side is just that. That's the front. But that's like the pretty car. But the business is what goes on under the engine. The car can be cute right. all day, but if it don't drive because the engine is blew out or you ain't getting the oil changes or whatever, then, you know, your car is going to be sitting still. Well, it's like I tell people, when you get a cake, a cake can be very beautiful and frosted very nicely. When I taste it, if it's nasty, it's nasty. I'm throwing it away. Basically. And that's what it is. So make sure you know your craft, y'all. Make sure you really learn. Um, but then also be open to opportunities that may or may not seem like it may, it may seem a little bit left to center, but you never know. Yeah. Always yeah. And I think that's the advice I would probably give to myself. Yeah. Um, aside from marry someone rich when the ah! itself, uh, <laughs> you know, um, but no, I think 
the, the girl, episode. you still got time for that. You can go out oh, and go yeah. over. No, no. I got time. Uh, I just would have done it before I had to work. Um, so that part. <laughs> but no, the advice I would give like my younger self is that it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, because I think particularly when I, I, I talked to a lot of uh, my nineties babies, yeah. um, in your twenties, you don't realize that like you're learning by trial by fire. Yeah. There's so many things you're going to do that you're like, well, I'm supposed to be this. And I, you know, I want to be a millionaire by 35 and oh, I'm 25 and I don't have this. And you're so yeah. up in what you don't have and what it doesn't look like and you don't have the big girl job or you do have it and it doesn't feel like you thought it would feel like really focus on enjoying yourself because it will work out yeah you will be fine like nine times out of ten if you focus on learn always seeing everything as an opportunity to learn and grow yeah uh, even if you're learning what you don't like or what you don't want if you focus on building up that muscle of being resilient yeah of coming into a place with a spirit of how can I serve? And, yes. and when I say, how can I serve? Like not your desires will be fulfilled. I mean, like coming into a workplace and being grateful that you have that opportunity and yeah. learning from people and saying, how can I help? Oh, I've done all my work. Is there anything else you need me to do? Or how yeah. can I, how can I be of assistance in this situation? Like coming, yeah. coming in with a grateful spirit and a spirit of openness and wanting to grow and learn. If you have that in your twenties, you will likely be fine. Yeah. You know, you'll likely be fine. Like I can't promise you'll be a millionaire by 30, but the truth is most people are not. Most millionaires yeah. in America are in their fifties. They're not like yeah. Five years old. That's actually when you see that on the internet, that's an outlier, and those people are lying. They're yeah, lying. and I think that's what it is. Is social media has people feeling like you got to compete yeah. to a degree of like, oh, they're on a yacht, they have bags, they have this, they're on trips, and they're twenty five or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And you know, when we was coming up, there was no social media, so we didn't compete, or really, we didn't know what we didn't know because we didn't see it. Right. So all we saw right. was what was around us, like what was going on in our own community, our mm-hmm. friends, and we were all felt like we were kind of like at the same level, so to speak. Not like, oh, you know, she's yeah. doing it, I'm over here broke. It was more like everybody seemed pretty up the same part, so to speak, until right. we got social media. And, and that social media has warped so many minds. It makes you, yeah. it has you getting to somebody else's midpoint. Basically. You don't know where these people are in their lives. And I'm going to tell you a secret. Girl, anybody can get a line of credit if they have a job. Yeah. And yeah. You, a lot of the people you see on social media are running off a line of credit. They buy stuff and they return stuff. That's why you don't see them wear the same things over and over. Like I tell people all the time. Girl, these shoes cost six hundred dollars. You're gonna see me wear them until they fall off. Like, girl, yes. You know the Saint Laurent, the Louis bags, all that stuff. Anytime you see me carrying something, you'll keep seeing it because I'm getting my money's worth out of it. Yeah. Buy it for the photo shoot. Yeah. And so I I just caution, you know, kids right now, like you'll be fine. Like you don't have to have it all figured out at 25. I am 37. I don't have any of it figured out. We have more now, but. I don't know what the hell I'm doing on any given day. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. I mean, and that's what life is for, living, experiencing, and learning, and getting better. And so, you know, we're not going to have it all figured out. We're going to go through different things. But I think just having that, like you said, the discipline and the patience 
to see it through. I think people get in and it's like, oh, you know, I didn't make a million dollars in a year or I didn't get to where I thought I was going to be. And it's like barely any time has passed. And yeah. have you even been consistent in what it is you want Like you throw something up and think like, oh, nothing happened one time. I'm like, do you know how long, how many times somebody has to see something before they make a decision or just, yeah. It's just overnight success. It's a long game. <laughs> and that's what people, that's the thing. That's the thing. And I think, again, when we talk about the fashion industry, when we talk about tech, yes, there's money to be made. Yes, there's a lot that you can do, but tech is the same way. Yeah. Go in, research the certifications you need if you want to be on the technical side of things. Yeah. As people, there are also a lot of non-technical jobs in tech. My jobs yeah. have been non-technical. Um, yeah. It's all been marketing and sales related. Uh, yeah. And for those jobs, marketing, go, go, content you can read. If you are someone who has been doing social media for years and you know how to effectively leverage social, you can get a bottom, like a low level job in social at a tech company because yeah. they hire those people. Yeah. Um, if you are someone who has worked, you know, sales, you have some kind of sales experience, yeah. you can work at a tech company in sales. You know, it's the same thing with the apparel industry. You have to yeah. just have that passion. But again, it always comes back to being a constant learner. Yeah. Constantly being here like, I am here to learn and grow. I'm not here to get something. It's not like, oh, they have to pay me the highest salary. No, you're here to learn and grow. And that's going to be the opportunity that it gets you. Because people love someone who's a learner. Who's yeah. A learner. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you again for joining us and your time and your expertise and just the value that you brought. I appreciate it. We definitely got to catch up. So we'll talk about that offline. But I um, really enjoyed having you. And again, thank you for joining us. I'll be posting this soon and I'll tag you and we'll chat soon. All right, Mama. Thank you so All much. Right. Bye bye. Bye.